Rewind with Oshin Langan. Kevin Kenny runs under. He's outside the 20. He's inside the 13. He's covered. It's a goal for Kevin Kenny. And surely that is that. Kevin sure, you know, um, we finished on the two, two good goals at the end of the game, you know, coming towards the end of it. And I suppose, in fairness, Owen Murphy did very well to prevent goals at the far end as well. So, from start to finish, the team worked well. The team worked hard. We were competitive right throughout the field. And it stood to us. We wanted four points and we wanted nothing less than that. Um, so we're, look, we have a losing bonus point, we're not happy with that. Look, Glasgow played some great rugby, we did as well at times, but our discipline and falling off a few tackles let us down. This is the Rewind on News Talk, coming up more on all of that, including Champions League and FA Cup football with Paddy Mulligan. You heard from a disappointed Munster captain, Billy Holland, in there. He was reacting to their 27-24 defeat to Glasgow Warriors in Kilmarnock in the Guinness Pro 12. Normally, an away defeat to the Champions when you pick up a bonus point wouldn't be considered that bad a result but the loss leaves them seven six points off the top four Connacht by the way two points clear at the top second are Leinster first the Turling though and we'll get to Galway's loss to Dublin in just a second we'll ask how good Dublin were and how bad Galway were uh, but the game of the weekend was in Nolan Park where almost 11,000 people turned up to watch Kilkenny beat Tipperary soon we'll hear from TJ Reid who scored 10 points and there'll be analysis from former Kilkenny goalkeeper Michael Walsh former Tipperary goalkeeper and well-known coach Ken Hogan and Tony Considine who's uh, previously been part of the Clare setup that won two All-Irelands he was also the Clare manager for a time uh, before all them though it's Premier boss Michael Ryan who spoke to off the balls Dave McIntyre about leading throughout the game but still not being able to win it. They're right in the game, right up until, you know, 67, 68 minutes. And at that stage then we you know we conceded a goal and, and ended up conceding two. And that was look, that was ultimately the difference. But look, there's lots of positives to be taken. We got to, you know, run the bench again. And and that's important. It's very important in terms of developing this team. Some of the key men in this Tipperary team, and they have been for four or five years, the likes of Pori Mar, Brendan Mar, Noel McGrath, they didn't have their best games today in terms of the, the amount of influence they were able to exert on the game. Why was that, do you think? Well, look, you know, um, I, I, you know, it I wasn't for the want of trying with any one of those. Um, I, in Noel's case, like Noel has, he's certainly a little bit behind the curve in terms of his own physical preparation. Um, he came back to us a little bit later. Um, in terms of Paddy and Brendan, look, you know, for sure, uh, those guys have played better games for us. Um, but it's never for the want of trying, and they're still they're still our key men, without doubt. Um, and they're great leaders, and that's that's what what we need at this point in time. DJ, so many F's and ticks beside your name. I actually lost count of the amount of scores you got there today. But look, tell me how it feels to win a game like that, especially having come off a defeat last week. Yeah, it's a great confidence boost. Um, of course, there's a small bit of pressure coming in today. You know, we didn't perform against Watford. Um, you know, we can make all the excuses we can down Welsh Mark, but we're bullied all over the field. You know, a breaking ball, even the rocks, we're losing all of them. So I think today there was um, a lot of emphasis on just getting a good team performance, our overall work rate, our ball winning. And, um, you know, it's a big open pitch as well, so there's more hurling involved today rather than Welsh Park, but there's more kind of rocks, more so. But um, we dug deep. Um, to the final whistle and um, if, if you fight to the final whistle you never know what can happen we're obsessed with talking about tactics in modern hurling at the moment but today was all about winning ball and taking the scores and even winning ball at the back because people they don't kind of maybe think about that when they talk about ball winning but that's what you did today for large parts of the game especially that final 10 minutes where you pulled away 
Yeah, I think, you know, in defence, you have to kill that ball, you know, if it's going, if the lads are flicking it through, you have to make sure you have to stick it in the ground or get away out of defence, you know. The, the boys done that well there today, but um, our overall performance was, was, was brilliant, you know, likes of Kevin Kelly there, Jimmy Maher had a great game as well, but, um, you know, two points, a good confidence boost, and we'll still kick it on from now on. It was hard to kind of define what shape you were today because lads were popping up all over the park you were popping up on your own 20 metre line Kevin Kelly made a few vital interventions before then going up and deciding he wanted to score two goals <laughs> was that something that you have to decide yourselves on the pitch or is that something that kind of Brian gets the message across look lads if you think you need to drop back if we need an extra body if you think that Tipperary are going to have more possession inside our 45 for a while then do drop back how does that process work? Yeah definitely it's up to yourself you know it's on your own instinct you know you go where you think you're needed you know um if you're told stay in your own 40 metre line that won't work you know you have to go where you think the ball is you have to go where you think you need it if the half backs under pressure against the strong wind you have to drop back and help out and carry the ball forward obviously when you're playing with the wind you're trying to stay stay up the field as, as much as possible but uh, you know the forwards you go on your own instinct as well if you're spaced there you go you go towards that space you know you don't hide you can very much go out and, and hide in the corner out there but that's not and that's not good enough so if you find see space go towards that space and try and, try and get a pop pass towards you and we, I think we've done that well in, in the last 10 minutes but I suppose we opened them up as well maybe their goal killed Tipperary off maybe their heads dropped but um, once we got the first goal I think we drove on from, uh, from then on I'll let you off in just a second because I know you're eager to get in and get changed and all that because it's quite cold up here but talk to me about James Marr Robert Lennon and Dermot Cody who made his, his league starting debut last week it's great to see these guys in training you see them with the club you know they're good hurlers you know they're strong but is it in a game like today where you as a teammate see these lads and go yeah they're Kilkenny players they can do it because they stood up and they led as well they weren't just out there they were leading you, you never know um, what can happen in game of hurling but today they done very well so they did you know um, um, Rob Lennon came out with two or three balls they're vitally in the last five minutes there so they did you know big strong lad but you know they're, they're, they're fighting for they're fighting for a place in the 15 John Joe Farrell and all the boys on the bench are fighting for the 15 that's non 26 they're trying to get on to the 26 so you have to have in competition every place if you don't have that in a team um, you get very complacent very easy so even. Was the conditions tough there in the first half against that breeze did it, did it, we were saying it was a tough breeze up here we didn't really know was it really strong uh, yeah it was strong it was kind of um, going swing left to right but um, but no it, it was it was ground conditions were excellent and um, a small bit of a breeze there but um, you know it is very hard when you're playing against the breeze you have to kind of work the ball up the field a little bit a little bit, um, a little bit more um, we kind of found ourselves down too far than the halfbacks are driving the ball over our heads to yeah. an, an empty Tipperary man but that's, that's the league is all there to work for that's what that's what the league I is there it's stepping stone to, I know you're only, back, uh, you're only back a few weeks but your fitness never seems to be very strong there uh, we're okay yeah and you know we I suppose we don't stop you know we, yeah. I know there's an off season but players don't stop over the off season you know through November December you, you Tipperary Tipperary yourself you keep your fitness levels up to 60-70% and after obviously the team holiday was there so after team holiday yeah. it's down to scratch again and uh, oh, we're looking forward to the league is there to, to, um, to learn things to, to um, get, get players in get players out and um, look forward to the um, two weeks time and Galway in two weeks does it make it easier in the build up to that game are you in a better mood going to training after a win like that ah, I think so yeah um, you know I suppose Kenny we don't like losing up here so we don't but um, you know, if you lost two games in a row zero points you don't uh, bop them into the table so we're up there um, around the middle now so um, but then again Galway had a um, 
Um, I lost there last night there as well. We had a win, so they'd be coming off a loss, so they'd be eager to get two points in the board as well. Yeah, no, I think he he woke up with a spasm in his back there this morning, and he wasn't able to. He tried warming up there, but but unfortunately he he wasn't he wasn't able to play. But no, he's fighting for his place now. So he liked that. 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 He liked uh, Michael Walsh we heard from there we're going to hear more from him in just a second also former tip goalkeeper Ken Hogan who was disappointed naturally enough with his county's loss and maybe even the nature of it as well at first though it's former Clare boss Tony Considine who was unashamed in showing his love of the sport what a manly game you know, played by two manly teams. It's the way hurling should be played. We're hearing all this talk about the great coaching and the great coaches and everything like that. But when you have two teams that go out and play hurling like that, it's there's no game anywhere in the world to match it. You know, two teams that went out, hell for leather, not a dirty stroke in the game, fantastic scores. Kilkenny, I think, got two goals and three points in the last five minutes, the so two points that they've got, and I think that decided the game. And we're also joined by Ken uh, Hogan, the former Tipperary uh, goalkeeper and, of course, a well-known coach as well, winning titles with Cool. Derry among others Ken this is a this is a big blow to tip to lose this kind of game because they were in front for most of it and for Kilkenny to come back and win that, that's a bit of a hammer blow isn't it it's a bit of a hammer blow it's a blow to morale you know yeah. Mick Ryan has been working very hard in training and uh, Mick uh, is one guy you know this is a reverse ocean but Mick is one guy that won't stand in ceremony he knows he'll analyse this game he'll look at it we can't you know throw everything out of the cot at this stage because at the end of the day it was a terrific game fantastic hurling Tip played very well in the second half where we lost the game Oshie was in the first half we had four clear cut goal opportunities one terrific stay from Owen Murphy two great chances for Conor Kinney at full forward and if we had those opportunities and it took him and if we had put those two goals away Kilkenny as you can see the killer instinct Tony got through two goals yeah. two chances put away and terrific uh, play, play James Maher my mind man of the match for Kilkenny outstanding debut you know another new guy coming through Robert Lennon at centre half back another new guy coming through you think he'd be tired after an All-Ireland club campaign not at all he was selling down the field with two minutes to go and you know in all fairness it was a terrific game Tip will be disappointed but we have got to just go back look at her defensive frailties because there were, we were showing up there for a finish in the second half the lads have raised a very valid point there Michael that it was actually some of the newer lads James Marr and Robert Lennon yeah. who, who, who picked it up who took it to Tipperary who led for Kilkenny and after losing the kind of players Kilkenny have lost that's what they need guys who will do it under pressure well that's why uh, Brian Cody will be delighted this evening because the fellas that came in all stepped up to the plate and uh, you know they played they played really really well and you know in fairness to Thomas Hamill I thought he had a great game of full back but uh, I wouldn't blame him the, the ball broke the other way and Kevin Kelly is a great finisher but Lennon in the second half was superb at centre back and uh, Mar had a great game all through but I thought I said it in the commentary you know one of the stellar players to Perry Park Mara's left half back he had a nightmare of a day yeah, yeah. and I think that's he was you know unfortunately for him you can have those days he's a great player as we know so it's tip, I, but you just go back to tip I know they'll be disappointed and maybe you know a few, few things didn't work out for them but they did play very very well you must remember with three or four minutes ago was 16 points all or 16-15 yeah. so they have a lot to be yeah, positive goals. And I suppose you have to admire, as I say, we were talking about there a minute ago, the manliness of the game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the yeah. real manliness, real I said before, yeah. real game of yeah. hurling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no one getting caught up in anything, only playing the game the yeah. way it should be played. Yeah. But I suppose at the end, you'd have to admire Kevin Kelly the way he took the goal. Yeah, Another fella would have put the ball over the bar, right, yeah. but he went for the goal and he yeah. got it, and yeah. he got paid for his bravery, yes, you know what did. I mean? Yeah. Now, as you say, the goals decided, as Ken said here, Tipperary definitely missed three or four goals in the first half. Definitely three goals, anyway, that I counted, yeah. that uh, there should have been goals. Uh, 
Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think if Tip had got him, Kilkenny would have been under massive pressure. pressure. No it would have been under massive pressure. Ken summed it up brilliantly. That's where that game was won and lost. Right. We said it. Right. We said it to Oshin. You just can't afford to miss chances like that. And it was a team of the calibers. They always had their time. Well, and even in the second half, they missed two more chances up there. They could have got another two goals. Well, know? like when you looked at, at half time, uh, say you go in and uh, uh, we, Robert Lennon at centre back, yeah. he didn't have a great first no, half. He didn't. You'd be saying, Jesus, is this fellow going to come off? Yeah. He was only man the message second half. He caught yeah. ball after yeah, ball. Yeah. Went up and showed leadership. Yes. And I see him a few weeks ago playing for Venice Bridge yeah. at full back. That's right, yeah. In, yeah. For, for the, the intermediate team yeah. that won the All-Ireland. Yeah. You know what I mean? And here he comes out here today in front of 10,000 people yeah. and goes out and performs like that in the second half. And another All-Ireland winner as well, yeah. Owen Murphy. Outstanding yes, in goals for right. I, I'm glad he said that. because that, You're talking about James Barr and you're talking about yeah. T.J. Reid and they were fantastic. But I think that Owen Murphy was absolutely key to this whole victory. He really looks the part, you know, as a McKinney goalkeeper in a long line of keepers, but he really looks the part. I thought his presence was outstanding, his striking was brilliant, but his bravery off the line, and he yeah. came out to a one, Noel McGrath created one for Bill O'Mara near the finish there, yeah. and his bravery yeah. coming out, and it was a 65, but at the other end, the coolness and calmness of Kevin Kelly to put away those goals, you know, that's what we lacked, and maybe in fairness, not using excuses or anything, but, you know, we missed Jamie Callan up yeah. front, because Noel McGrath created a number of chances, a great few openings, we didn't put him away, and in this game, against a top calibre team like Kilkenny, Kilkenny just kept plugging away, it looked like there was going to be a, a goalless game again. We were bemoaning the fact maybe that there'd be no goal. But look at the two classic finishes from Kevin Kelly. Well orchestrated by another substitute, John Joe Farrell, the yeah. first one. Did very well, was smart enough to pull it across. But Ken, didn't the game change when he came on, John Joe Farrell? It did, yeah. You know, yeah. Why did that happen? Why did that happen? You know, I, think he, he, I think you upset Barrett when yeah, he came he did, on. Because Barrett got involved in a personal yes, battle with him. On, and, yeah. and Barrett slipped here when they got the goal. He has a physical you know, presence. He has, yeah, yeah. He started to kind of said, he showed a bit of leadership when he actually came on. He said, we want to, I want to win this for Kilkenny. Yeah. And he actually proved the finish. He did, and that was the difference. Uh, there's no doubt about it that Farrell, his physical presence definitely upset Barrett. And he did, yeah. He, he, he laid on the first goal. Really, the first goal was the, the key score, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, the first goal was the key score. This is the Rewind on News Talk, and that was former tip goalkeeper Ken Hogan, ex cat stopper Michael Walsh, who's now part of the Westmead setup. They had a good win against Derry actually yesterday in Division 2A. Also, Claire's Tony Considine, who was thoroughly entertained by a really tight tussle between Kilkenny and Tipperary in Nolan Park. Now, still to come, football, and we pay tribute to Kerry great Dinjo Crowley, who passed away over the weekend. Um, you may know Dinjo's son Mike, actually, who played for Limerick for a time. Now, though, Galway were badly lacking against Dublin and Parnell Park on Saturday night. After the game, Michal Donoghue, the Galway manager, didn't seem too stressed. While Jer Cunningham was happy that his team bounced back after last week's very poor display to Tipperary. 117 to 13 points, by the way, was the final score. Uh, Connor Hayes managed and played for Galway. He was there for Galway Bay FM. I asked him what he made of the tribesmen's showing. I was happy enough with Galway's performance in the first half and I thought that they contained Dublin Dublin with the win but you know you just saw signs of it there you saw Liam Rush starting very well Chris Crummy starting very well and up front I think um, the full forward line Eamon Dillon particularly was, was very good very good this evening you know Mark Shooter I know he didn't score but he caused, seemed to cause a lot of problems in there I just felt that Galway would turn it around the second half I know they started the second half without Joe Canning who is a loss and would be a loss to them but still it just they just seemed to lose their shape in the second half just didn't seem to really David Burke had to drop back to to centre back where Greg Lally went off as well now he you know that that was a loss a loss to the Galway going forward as well but still Galway just didn't seem to be have any great shape there in the second half Dublin on, on the other hand you know dropped dropped a couple of lads back opened it up in, the, in in their full forward line and created all kinds of problems for Galway there and eventually the goal came and um, came from, from Sean McGrath uh, took took the goal well but that goal was, had been coming for a while 
and you know Galway were in the game up to that but after that Galway just went out of the game and you know lack of fight by Galway today I thought this evening was, was the most disappointing aspect of it They looked rudderless without Joe Canning I mean was the second half performance strictly down to him not being there or was it down to a lack of physicality elsewhere I mean you're Latanian and Cyril Donnan still not involved and those are guys who do bring that physicality they do bring a bit of an edge to go in go and desperately need that edge as we saw in the second half tonight they do yeah and that's exactly what, what, what I was the point I was making on uh, earlier on was that Galway just lacked that little bit of drive they just lacked that little bit of aggression in the tackle and you know I suppose Galway got it very handy last Sunday against Cork as Cork did against Galway because it was a very open game last Sunday but you know we, we you, you'd know well coming up here that Dublin weren't going to create an open game here this evening tighten it down and close it down but Galway just lacked you know the likes of Jonathan Lynn as you said there the likes of the likes of Irley Tanyan the likes of, of, of Cyril Donnell and indeed Joe Canning there in the second half just that kind of bit of power to win the ball break the ball wasn't really happening for Galway and you know Galway just didn't really didn't seem to have much of a plan in the second half you know just ne- didn't show the teamwork that they showed last Sunday either just never really linked with one another that well tried it a lot of it in the first half but I thought overdid the passing in the first half to the extent that it, it allowed uh, Dublin come on to them and Dublin did put pressure on them as well and Dublin were very workmanlike this evening in fairness to them you know and, and turned, their, turned their game around from last Sunday and you know fully deserved their victory here this evening Two games in for Michal Donoghue in the league obviously had Walsh Cup games as well are you noticing anything different are you noticing that he's noticing that he's trying anything I mean there was there was times there there was a third midfielder there was times there wasn't so obviously maybe he's he's still experimenting I'd say he is yeah he's just trying to see as many players as he can as well I think you know the, the one thing that he's trying to do is get Dahi Burke into that full back line there it looks like he might try and leave David Burke maybe at, at centre back but he is a loss to Galway at, mid, at midfield as well I think he's trying to stabilise his back line I think that's the main thing he'll try and have to do because Galway are conceding a fair bit 121 last weekend 117 this this weekend you know it's, it's too much of a concession you know but again Galway are kind of dogged by this lack of consistency of performance and again you know we go back to to you know Galway uh, every year we 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 keep saying that if Galway can get that consistency of performance, very, very good last Sunday, but just completely different this evening. And that's that's the biggest worry, I suppose. It's the biggest worry for Galway supporters, for Galway players and for Galway management, and particularly Michal Dunno there, who will try and tr- try and build that, if he can at all, and try and build that consistency, consistency of performance that at least that they're, they're, they're getting close or they're, they're not conceding as much. But, you know, this performance this evening would be completely different to what was there last Sunday and would be a bit of a worry, to be, to be honest, going forward. They have, you know, a couple of weeks now to, to work, themselves, work themselves back into it, playing Kilkenny in the next round, albeit in Nolan Park. Not an easy one either. Is that a good or a bad thing, to be playing Kilkenny there? Because they need a big performance in the next game. They need to stand up because they didn't stand up tonight. I think it doesn't matter where you play Kilkenny, they're going to be good anyway. But I think Galway, in fairness to them, I think that uh, they need to turn this around. They need, we need to see a performance, certainly, from them. We didn't get a performance this evening. That's the point we're making. You know, that then Dublin just really crowded them out, worked, worked uh, their work rate, you know, choked Galway out of the game. And Kilkenny can do that too as well. So, Liam Dun- uh, Michal Dunhu and, and the lads there have, have to sit down and they just have to have a, a, a fairly serious look at it, have a look at the, the Kilkenny, see what way they're going to play and try and work out a plan to see can, can they take take a couple of points in Kilkenny This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Connor Hayes formerly of Galway on the Tribesman's performance against Dublin and their upcoming game against Galway in Nolan Park in two weeks In Division 1B by the way, an injury hit Clare had to work hard for their 18 points to 111 win against Wexford in Innovate Wexford Park. Kerry came strong in the second half but lost 119 to 115 against Limerick and Killarney while Offaly, who were down to 14 men towards the end of the game, 
beat an experimental leash side 117 to 15 points in Tullamore. Uh, from the outside, it looks like it's been a horrible season for Leash, but Homer County manager Seamus Plunkett insists that um, it's not so much a downturn as an evolution. Leash hurling people that can that, that want to step up to that cauldron or we're not. Um, I, I think that we are. You know, I've covered the areas that we need to cover in terms of the learnings that we need to do, uh, but we don't fear this. We've, we have players, we have young players in there just mad for road, mad for hurling, um, and it's just important that we get our organisation and our structures, and our, our particularly our team structure and our system of playing and all of that, refined as much as we can. We, we have changed our system of play big time this year. There was, there was numbers of times last year when maybe we might went, we might went sweeper, um, but but all of that, um, you know, I just hear so much rubbish really being spoken about that. All of those are offensive systems whereby you're trying to open up play on the other side. Um, we're changing that a lot this year and, and it takes a little while to, to, to get that organisation within your team and on the field done. And um, I feel it's a number of weeks away yet before before we'll see that. We're working on a lot of things here. Um, sometimes these things work, sometimes they don't. If they work and we get a rhythm into our play and a pattern into our play, then I'm really, really delighted, look, looking forward to this team playing again. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Leash Manager Seamus Cheddar Plunkett speaking to Midlands 103 in Camogie Limerick shocked All-Ireland Champions Cork with a 111-9 points win in Rathkeel although sometimes champions make slow starts Cork have done that in the past so I'm sure they won't be uh, panicking just yet elsewhere Offaly Galway and Kilkenny all picked up victories in the Little Ladies Football League Division 1 Galway and Armagh earned wins while uh, Waterford and Limerick enjoyed wins in Division 3 and Division 4, they were healthy wins as well against Fermanagh and Carlo respectively. A football now and the wait is almost over for, for Arsenal's clash with Barcelona in the Champions League round of 16 first leg. This one going on at the Emirates before they go back to the uh, Camp Nou in a couple of weeks' time. As always, former Chelsea and Ireland defender Paddy Mulligan joins us uh, along with Team 33 and off the balls, Raf Diallo. Paddy, a bit of a headache for Arsene Wenger going into this one. He's got yet another fixture to deal with following the draw against Hull over the weekend in the FA Cup. Um, will that scoreless draw and the performance have any effect on the run-in to this game against Barcelona? I'm of the old school, Oshin, in, in so much that they have a big, a very big squad and I don't see how they can't go and cope. It, it, with all due respects to Hull, it's only Hull. And if they couldn't beat them to the Emirates, well, then they need locking up. And they, they should be well capable of beating Hull, no matter what team they put out. And they have a lot of the Arsenal have an awful lot of quality players, so it's it's very easy these days. It's like it's it's, it's like having a big squad. It, it 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 makes it that a little bit easier for the manager, not to drop people. Oh, it's a rotation thing. Whereas in 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 other days gone by, it'd be a question that if well you've written playing well, you were out. Yeah. It's as simple as that. So let him go and deal with it. He knows exactly what he has to do. He knows exactly what teams are playing. He knows all the fixtures. So there should not be a big problem. And he should be embracing getting all these games. And the play- Look, if the players are any, any use at all, they'll embrace these games for the simple reason that it beats training. Yeah. Every time you're playing games, it's much better than training because training can get, get, become yeah. very, very boring, repetitious. So you're, you're, you've got fresh new challenges and no greater challenge than to go up to up the hull, go and take care of them in, 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 in the replay. But first and foremost... See how, how they perform against Barcelona uh, on tomorrow night. And Manchester United as well. That game live and exclusive and off the ball this Sunday. The, 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 the coverage will be a little bit different this weekend. By coverage, I mean the show normally starts at 12. But because of the election, we're not exactly sure what's happening. But one thing is for sure, we will have live co- commentary of that game. Um, Isn't that great now they're, they're playing Man United? Another, yeah. another massive yeah. game. And, and if, you, if you can't get ready for these type of games... Yeah. You shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be playing. It is fantastic. But look, you know I'm also old school, so I'll uh, concentrate on one game at a time.
Oh right, yeah. Oh, you're 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 the uh, the 24th century male. You can't do two things at once. No, I cannot. Yes. Listen, talk to me about Arsenal against Barcelona. Arsenal have a few players Play. who are in, yeah. Well, I was just about to say, I know a couple of Arsenal fans who are kind of quoting Father Ted at the moment. Is yeah, there anything to be said for another man? Go and go and pray to him. Yeah. Look, what about Sanchez, Ramsey, and Monreal? They're not particularly in good form at the moment. That's a bit of a worry going into this match. Yes, but still, they're 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 still a decent team. Yeah, and you would expect Arsenal to rise to the occasion against Barcelona. If you if you can't rise to the occasion against Barcelona and play to the best of your ability, and if if the best of your ability isn't good enough, so what? If you can hold your hands up, there's no problem there. Because Barcelona are an exceptionally gifted team. Now they look, Barcelona looked a bit jaded uh, at the weekend. They only won two one, only one two one. They just mm-hmm. keep winning. Suarez keeps scoring goals. I think that's about his twenty fifth in the league or thereabouts. And and uh, you've got the likes of Neymar, and Messi, and 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 the, the aforementioned Suarez. So you, you know you've got you've got three of the best front men that we've seen in many many. Uh, years you could say go back to uh, Real Madrid back in the, uh, in the 50s Puskas Di Stefano and Hento what a trio they were best Charlton and Law <laughs> not not bad either but these three are so, really something special and Suarez in particular Suarez is not not that Neymar and, 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 and Messi need more bringing out but Suarez to me is certainly bringing out the very very best uh, of these two and, and, and they're complementing each other which is wonderful and in midfield yeah. Arsenal Arsenal still or, or uh, Barcelona are, are just huge so but look at Arsenal Arsenal can go and surprise these teams and and Barcelona the accolades heel is always maybe their defence they take they get a bit casual and, and, and uh, they don't defend yeah. as, as as well as they, as perhaps a player should defend and so if Arsenal can exploit that and with the likes of Sanchez in there Walker can come on Chamberlain can come on yeah. these are and Giroud a big man who Barcelona Giro. don't handle particularly well and no, they, they haven't done that's one weakness they've had Raph over the last couple yeah, of seasons is it? given well particularly in the uh, when Pep Guardiola was there the, the squad obviously wasn't the yeah. tallest so if they came up against uh, players that are of Giroud's height they would a struggle. They only really had PK Busquets, who would be quite tall. Um, that's less of an issue now. They've got Rakitic, who is a bit more physical, but um, still overall, like in terms of the the squad, it's not the it's in terms of average height, it's not the it's not the tallest. So if they're if someone's trying to mark Mertesacker, obviously you're not going to put Messi on him because uh, there's a bit of a height differential there. But yeah. um, that might be one area at set pieces. Also, they've just been a little bit shaky at the back, as uh, as Paddy was saying there. Um, is that and from still being caught games. on the counter-attack or, or what is that? Is that just that they're so attacking that they don't have to worry about defence in Spain? I think it's not so much that. It's that I think there's a question of tiredness as well. They had the Club World Cup as well. They've be, there's been a lot of travel um, and I suppose it's just that kind of busy January period. Like once the... Um, like I know they still have Champions League commitment so it's not going to slow down uh, very, very quickly but you kind of think maybe when it does come to just the knockout stages we're kind of getting to now, they'll have a little bit more space and time to yeah. uh, to work on that And defense. let's not forget either that Barcelona very rarely change their team. Yeah. You know, you, you'll have the same players playing every week. You'll have the big players playing, the Suarez, the Neymars, the, the Busquets, uh, and, and so on, and, 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 uh, and PK and Iniesta, and of course the great Messi. So, because they, they absolutely adore playing. I mean, Suarez, I think that I, I, I saw something in the paper recently, that Suarez was only in, 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 uh, in the treatment room at Anfield twice. Wow. And one was to get some ice. One was, and one was for an apology and to somebody put in there. More than likely. You know? that, that, by the way, I totally yeah. made up. But I get the point you're making. Arsenal, when they have had successes in these kind of games, have by and large done it by counter-attacking. So is that the mantra 
for this game against Barcelona. Yeah. So I, I, is that I, the only chance that you believe they have? I think I think that's about the only chance they have. And on a Leicester Barcelona have a real off night, and which can happen with Barcelona. No matter how good you are, you can always hit a night when just things don't go don't go your way. Yeah. And but it's going to take an almighty effort from Arsenal uh, to keep the tie alive. Now they they might very well. Um, if memory serves me correctly, wasn't didn't they beat Bayern Munich and didn't they take didn't they care, take care of Barcelona a few years back? In, in, at, yeah, they beat them at, at home the Emirates, in the game, two yeah. one or something yeah. like that. And I think Wilshire had a particularly good yeah, game you know, that night. Yeah. So they're going to need something uh, special like that, and that was a very special Barcelona team as they have been for about the past ten years. But th- th- this particular front three, well, if they don't get to grips with them and don't get to grips with the Barcelona midfield. They're going to be all, you know. They're going to be really struggling for the night. Yeah, Ralph, because we're worried about the Barcelona. Well, we're not worried about them, but we're pinpointing that as a potential weakness. But it's not like Arsenal have been Arsenal of the late eighties, early nineties at the back at the moment, is it? No, uh, and they haven't been for a very long time. Okay, their defense is better than it was uh, maybe five or six years ago. Uh, Koscielny does make mistakes, but he's still one of the better centre halves in the Premier League. Mertesacker is incredibly slow, but he's still quite solid mm. generally I think that's what you want a slow yeah. guy up against Messi and Suarez that's why they have no choice but to sit back and counter a little bit because if uh, if Neymar and uh, or Messi or Suarez isolates uh, Mertesacker goodbye uh, goodbye Arsenal like you know yeah okay do you yeah. think Arsenal will be still in this tie after Tuesday no, night I, no I, I, I think that, that uh, Barcelona will win tomorrow night um it might it might be the goal fest that people expect, yeah. but I think that they will win. And if they win tomorrow night, well, then I, I believe the tie is over because they 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 won't beat Barcelona uh, with Barcelona at home. I don't believe Manchester City up against Dynamo Kiev on will he, Wednesday. Will he play as young lads on Wednesday as well? He might. Well, we saw <laughs> what happened at the weekend against Chelsea when he did look. Um, and funnily ha- enough, they did they did well for about fifteen yeah. minutes, but then. They, they they ran out of steam because they're only they're only young lads. The bodies aren't conditioned, and and Chelsea are a very big, physical, uh, powerful team, and they just you know just ran over them in the end. It could have been could have been seven or eight uh, at the end. But look at no disrespect to the young lads who play there. Um, it was the the, the team selection. It go, just goes to show you how poor the squad at Manchester City is. If he can't couldn't play nearly a second team yesterday uh, out of out of the squad that he has of 22, 24 mm-hmm. players. There's something, there's something very, very wrong at Manchester City because I think Guardiola is going to go in there and get rid of about ten or twelve of those players. If if that's if that's if that's the limit, Boney. Are you seeing signs that? And I know we're probably wrong to judge on the game at the weekend, but overall, since Pellegrini said, "Look, I'm off at the end of the season," are you seeing signs that the players are consciously or subconsciously, whichever, are putting in less effort, aren't doing what they were, or I, are they inconsistent? That, that's the way they've been throughout the season. Anyway. City have been very inconsistent over, over the past number of years, even though they've gone and, and won a league title twice. But they, they, have, they have their inconsistent moments and far too many, and far too many this year. So I wouldn't put it all down to Pellegrini. I thought it was a strange move, like I thought about Guardiola uh, coming out and saying he was leaving Bayern Munich before Christmas was a very strange move to Bayern Munich, but it would allow that considering they were still in the Champions League, considering both clubs could still meet each other in the Champions League. But it, it's, for, for me, it's going to be a very, very difficult task for City on, on uh, Wednesday night against Dynamo Kiev. I think they're going to do very, very well to get a draw yeah. out of that. It might, not, it might not even be a score draw. Uh, where, where the, the away goal would would count in very much in their favour, I think they're going to do very well. I concede. Uh, Dinamo Kiev uh, take care of City on on uh, on Wednesday night. Really? But, yeah, but not out of the tie. No, not well, not so out yeah, of the tie. Yeah. No, not out of the tie. But they might might very well beat them one nil or or two nil. Yeah. Now yeah. two nil, that'll be that'll be a huge one for City to pull back at, at the Etihad. Yeah, certainly. But, you would. know, if 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 City get all their all their top players playing to the best of their ability, 
Yeah. Well, then look, they're, they're a match for anybody. Yeah. You know, when you have you have Aguero, you have Silva. Silva hasn't been fit. Didn't look fit the, the other the other weekend either. So it's 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 going to be a big ask for them. Shevchenko yeah. and uh, Rebrov still play for Dynamo Kiev, right? Uh, quite possibly, yeah. <laughs> if we're going Rumor back to the nineties, yeah. <laughs> the last time that we checked. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, just on the whole resting players thing, I know you kind of told us last week uh, that that wasn't really the done thing. Can you even remember it ever happening once where a player was kind of rested because there's a, another fixture maybe two or three days later? Not in my time. No. Not in my time. No, I mean, I, 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 I can recall uh, playing at, 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 at Chelsea in 1970, playing a, cup, a League Cup replay against Bolton on a Tuesday night, getting to Heathrow, the flight to Dublin, to play against Poland on a Wednesday night, get back on the Thursday and play against Southampton on the Saturday. Having already played on the on the Saturday, having already played on the previous Tuesday up in Bolton, yeah. so that's five games in ten days. So what's the what's the problem, lads? You must have been one of the spoiled players if you were allowed oh, very to fly spoiled. as opposed to being sent on the boat. Yeah. Uh, just before we let the you last go, last flight out of Heathrow, eleven o'clock at night. Just before we let you go, uh, we want to talk about Ireland because obviously the Euro twenty sixteen buzz is beginning to grow. Um, the goalkeeping situation is rather worrying. None of our keepers are playing regular first-team football. The only one who is, at a high level, who's Irish qualified, is Mark Bunn, and obviously he's at Aston Villa. Yeah, but uh, Randolph has been playing in the, in the, in the cup games, like he, yeah. played, he played yesterday, and, and uh, maybe he could have done better with the, with the goal as well, but by and large, he, he has been playing. Um, I saw him play against... Is that enough, though? Because it's not enough. He, 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 you need, you need far, especially goalkeepers. I mean, that's a, that's a specialised position. You need to be playing every, every week, get that confidence uh, going. But hopefully when, when, when uh, the, the, it comes around, uh, the Euros, that uh, players, player, the, the goalkeeper situation will, will, will be a lot clearer and the players will be playing. But Elliot up in Newcastle have been doing very, very well. Is he your... Well, well, well he, he, he's in there. He's playing, he's playing regular, regular first-team football up at Newcastle. So he's, he's doing well. Um, I, I would prefer, uh, and I, I still say that, I would prefer David Ford. I thought David Ford did nothing wrong and, and got left out. But look, Randolph has come in and, and done extremely well. Who's your number one at the moment? Well, I would go Ford. I think Ford Ford has, has been brilliant and, 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 and perhaps, you know, especially over in, over in Germany there uh, the year before last when, when uh, he made colossal saves against the Germans when, when Ireland came and, 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 uh, and drew the game one each with the, with the last minute John O'Shea But he was magnificent. He kept Ireland in the game. So quite, quite easily, that, uh, only because of him, uh, Ireland qualify it's yeah. a tough one isn't it Raph because Martin O'Neill essentially has to select from guys who haven't played for Ireland although as Paddy has mentioned they're playing well for their well they're playing for yeah. their clubs in some case one of them playing well Rob Elliott Mark Bunn do we blame him for a lot of Villa or do we not I'm not sure because there's, uh, no, there's such no, a malfunction no what I'm saying, saying is saying, yeah. yeah you know what yeah, I'm saying of course, yeah. of course like do you go with those guys who are who are playing first team football and who will be fit or do you go with guys who have done it for Ireland before but who aren't necessarily playing a lot I of ball I think there needs to be a level of familiarity though because you do want that relationship between your defenders and your goalkeeper so it would probably have to be a Ford or a Randolph who have at least played in some of the qualifiers and it just there's greater cohesion and then if you want a third goalkeeper maybe one of the players that is actually getting a lot of regular first team football and then maybe within training in the lead up to the tournament maybe that goalkeeper is the one that actually pips the other two Does Martin O'Neill need to select a number one for all the friendlies between now and then and stick with them especially if it's going to be someone like Randolph who's only playing sporadically I would have thought that would have been the sensible thing to go and do is, is, is have, have your mind made up you don't necessarily have to tell the media uh, which way, which way you're thinking? But have your mind made up as to who 
uh, your best starting eleven is, and who your next, say, five players are are are, are there, and have you have your sixteen penciled into, into your own mind and Roy Keane's mind. Say right, these are the ones we're going for. Uh, if if they're if if nobody gets injured, this is going to be the team. And I, I think as a manager, you have to you have to do that. You must have you must uh, goalkeeping is such a specialized position. Yeah. You must you must have him as 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 number one, and then go uh, once you don't yeah. concede. Same old adage. Yeah. Once you don't concede, you're, you're in business. Yeah, and then there's the case of Damien Delaney. I think there was a bit of talk about him potentially coming back. Now, obviously, he's a veteran. He's a 34, I think. 30, yeah, 35, I think, I think. Yeah, 34 yeah. or 35. Yeah. Um, there's he's poten- playing very well. He played very well yeah, and he's yesterday. been a regular in the Premier League. You know. He's never really had a look in, and obviously he retired from international duty in the meantime, but there's all this talk about him possibly coming back or being willing to return. Would you be, you know, exploring that Well, Alan Pardew said he has to swallow his pride, which suggests that... Maybe yeah. there was a bit of a row between him and Martin O'Neill. We're, we don't know the details. Yeah, we don't know. But his teammate was uh, one of his teammates was actually coming out and saying that if he was asked, he knows what answer Delaney would give. So I'm guessing that means a yes. Would you be bringing him back in at this point, or do you think the you know the boat has sailed off on that one? Maybe maybe the boat has sailed off. If if if, if Martin O'Neill has something in his mind about a particular individual, I would I would suspect. That it's very difficult for Martin O'Neill to yeah. change his mind. Fair and all, as he as he feels that he might be, but I think it would be very difficult. I personally would like to see Delaney at the minimum in the squad, yeah, because he 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 is a commanding cricketer. He was a, a, a commanding cricketer again yesterday, uh, in that in that smashing win for Palace against Spurs. But all season long and last season as well, he's been he's been yeah. just uh, yeah. excellent. Yeah, it's just we don't have many. Pr- and I don't forget about scoring that <laughs> cracker against yeah. Liverpool either. Yeah. When Liverpool okay. going for the league either. Well, we might get a further indication from Martin O'Neill, who will be who will be part of the TV three Champions League coverage for uh, Arsenal against Barcelona on Tuesday night. Don't forget there will be pre-game, in-game, and post-game analysis of that, and uh, City's clash with Kiev on Wednesday night on Off the Ball on every evening this uh, week from seven o'clock. Paddy Mulligan and Raf Diallo, thanks for joining us here on the Rewind on News Talk. You Thank gave you. Man United a very handy ride there, didn't you? Well, they're playing tonight, so we're kind of enjoying <laughs> them. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the bad thing about podcasts. They be, because they're quite, they're time sensitive. I've already messed with you. A bit like yourself. Yeah, I, I'm, very, I'm very sensitive. <laughs> You're very sensitive. Time and otherwise. Speaking, <laughs> of, speaking, speaking of sensitive, we won't mention Galway's performance at the weekend. Not. You couldn't. Uh, again, because it was no performance. Uh, well, not in the second half. Anyway, <laughs> Paddy and Raph, thanks for joining us. Cheers. Thanking you, the great O'Shane. Well, that's almost it for the rewind. But before we go, we want to remember a Kerry footballing great who passed away over the weekend. Dinjo Crowley won All-Irelands with the Kingdom in 1969 and in 1970. But it's one particular moment from his career and one of the All-Irelands that he played in that really stands out. A Wishy Fogarty of Radio Kerry, who is a teammate actually of Dinjo's, will explain that legacy in just a moment. But first, let's get a description of that particular moment from the one and only Michal O'Hare. Well, Oshin, it was uh, recognised, and rightly so. It has been recognised as one of the great goals of our island finals. Nobody can say, of course, who, what was the greatest goal ever. But this one could, could, could rate with it. And uh, it was a crucial stage in the game for Kerry, of course, playing against Mead. And they were attacking the, uh, the, the canal goal at Croke Park. And I can still see it in my, in my mind's eye as DJ Crowley took that pass. And he actually careered the truth. It was a beautiful 
beautiful day. He careered through the meat defence. And the strange thing about it, uh, he, was, he soloed the ball with his left leg. And he had this unusual style. He had a short little solo. And he careered through the meat defence. And when he got within this shooting distance of the goal, I suppose he was 21 metres out between the 21 and the 14. He hit an absolutely rocket of a shot with his right leg. And it literally curled away from the, from the meat goalkeeper, away into his right into the top corner of the net. It was a sensational goal, and it was a, it was a goal that was, a, that was a rigged with style and with class and with power and, and with venom, if you like, Oisin. And I think it, it really killed the game, and it helped Kerry win their second All-Ireland there after their winning all uh, the previous one in 1969. So Dinjo Crowley, while he's remembered for that goal more than anything else, so Sheen people are inclined to forget that he was man of the match in 1969 the previous year yeah he has quite a legacy and of course he lost the final in 68 against Down if I'm right and uh, that was something that kind of irked Kerry but look they bounced back was that something he would do on a regular basis that kind of skill because you played you played with him you were a clubmate, so you knew what he was like as a player and you know was that something he would have worked on was that something that you kind of maybe thought <laughs> yep. might come well while he liked to have said himself uh, DJ, uh, DJ always said that he practiced that. Really, I don't remember him practicing it because I played in six county finals with him. We played in a combined team down here, East Kerry. He was a Ratmore man, I was a Killarney Legion man. And we played in six county finals and we won four. So I have trained and played with him a lot. Also in that 69 final, I was on the Kerry panel, I was the sub goalkeeper. So I would have trained from all that year. But no, he didn't actually pr- uh, practice that particular uh, uh, shot at goal. But he was uh, very conscious of the fact that he was very strong and that he had a nice little sidestep and that he could get around people. And yes, he would solo a lot, but I suppose that particular one just came off at the right time on the right occasion to write himself into history. But uh, uh, yeah, he was a very strong player, Oisin, very strong. And as I say, he was man of the match in the 1969 All-Ireland against Offaly. And he used to enjoy talking about that goal. Who wouldn't? But uh, he said himself over the years, the legend kind of grew. And by the time he had um, polished the story, so to speak, he took the kick out. He received the pass. He passed to himself. He ran up the field and got that goal. Yes, indeed, and he soloed with the left and kicked with the right. He loved telling it. Of course, he played. Uh, he, play, he played senior football for Kerry from sixty-seven to seventy-one. Not a very long uh, uh, period because he got injured and he made sixteen championship appearances and twenty-nine league appearances. And he scored two fourteen in the championship and he scored three seventeen in the league for Kerry. So he scored five goals in, in, in his time, five, uh, which would have been forgotten outside of everything else. But outside of that, Oshin, outside of that, I travelled the world with him in 1970 when we went in that world tour and I got to know him so well but he was a, he, he was a lovely man he was a, he was very gregarious he laughed a lot he was very simple in many ways he was a big man six foot one six foot two and built to match and uh, when he got on the Kerry team, he kind of got on by default, if you like, Oisin. Most people would know. But in 1965, the East Kerry combined team reached the county final uh, against Mid Kerry. And DJ couldn't get on the team. He was only a sub. 
and the game was a draw in Tralee. But for the replay of that 65 Kerry County final, Pat Moynihan, who was a Kerry player at the time and was centre field for East Kerry, he was also playing with UCC. And they were, they were also in the Cork County final and both games were on the same day. And Pat Moynihan decided that he'd play with UCC. And the East Kerry selectors decided that, look, we'll throw it. They actually said, we'll throw in Crowley and see how he does in the middle of the field. And they threw in Crowley and he kind of got the attention of Jackie Lyne, the, the, the Kerry manager, the, the trainer at the time. And he took him over and he built him into the great footballer he was. It's an amazing story. I think sometimes we forget that there was great Kerry teams before the ones in the 70s and the 80s with the greatest respect to them and DJ was front and centre Oshin, you, you listen you're after striking something there very valid because I tell you now that, that team that DJ was a part of you must remember they went to the All-Ireland in 68 they were beaten by Down they won the All-Ireland in 69 they won the All-Ireland in 70 and then uh, they were, and they were beaten in an All-Ireland final later by Offaly after a replay that was a great Kerry team and many of that team would get on one of the greatest Kerry teams ever I mean you must remember you would make O'Connell and you'd Mick DeWire and you'd Johnny Colletti. You had great, really great, legendary Kerry players. And DJ went out in that 1969 All-Ireland final against Affili. I was sitting in the dugout myself. I had a close-up view of him. And only for DJ Crowley in 1969, forgetting about 1970, only for him Kerry wouldn't have won. Because all the emphasis was on Mick O'Connell. He was being double-marked and triple-marked. And that gave DJ, yet gave DJ the run of the field that he was absolutely superb but outside of that Oshin he was a lovely man I loved meeting him and he had a great laugh he loved talking about football his son played with Limerick his son played against Kerry and he had a lovely family but to me my deepest memory of DJ Crowley would be the lovely man that he was and you'll come away really feeling better after meeting him he was a great fella Uh, the honour of meeting him back in I think 2007-2008 when the really wonderful book Princess of Pigskin was launched in Killarney and of course I know he's on Mike from playing with Limerick and uh, I've met him over the years and you've absolutely uh, put the nail on the head there Wishy by saying they're a lovely family uh, Wishy Fogarty of Radio Kerry thanks for joining us today uh, to remember your, your friend uh, Dinjo Crowley who sadly passed away over the weekend you're more than welcome Oshin. that's it for the Rewind this week don't forget Off The Ball is on air every night from 7 o'clock and I'm with you just before half 7 and half 8 every morning on News Talk Breakfast uh, Off The Ball this weekend on Saturday and Sunday I guess is a little bit different because of the elections but one thing is for sure and certain we will have live and exclusive commentary of Manchester United and Arsenal in the Barclays Premier League will Arsenal be going in off the back of a win against Barcelona it's highly unlikely but you never know we'll react to it either way next Monday by the way if you want to, uh, to get the build up to England against Ireland in the Six Nations with the likes of Brian O'Driscoll and Lawrence Delalio, along with Trevor Hogan go to newstalk.com forward slash off the ball they've all been speaking to off the ball over the last couple of days uh, if you want to catch up with me on Twitter you can do so on at Oshin Langan until next Monday's Rewind take care good luck Rewind with Oshin Langan Sure, you know, and we finished on we got two two good goals at the end of the game, you know, coming towards the end of it and I suppose in fairness Owen Murphy did very well to prevent goals at the far end as well. So from start to finish the team worked well, the team worked hard, we were competitive right throughout the field and it stood to us. We wanted four points and we wanted nothing less than that. Um, so we're look we've a losing bonus point, we're not happy with that. 
Glasgow played some great rugby. We did as well at times, but our discipline and falling off a few tackles let us down.